Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod on Rugby Pass and Sky Sport. We've got a few questions to answer this week. How do you stop Jonah Nareki? Can you just jump into the air and get tackled in the air and just get away with it? And how bloody good are the Crusaders Still, joining me to answer all these questions, in studio, James Parsons, former Blues player, now enjoying watching a lot of footy and analysing it. And down south, we've got Bryn Hall, who's just winning lots. You're pretty happy, are you? Another win, and uh, a pretty solid one at that against the uh, Hurricanes. Yeah, anytime you can get a W against the Hurricanes, boys, um, it's a good result. And you know, I think for us last year, we obviously lost that fixture last year, so I guess it added a little bit more fuel for us during the week around our preparation and, and getting there right in. And yeah, we, you know, we got the W, got the bonus point, which is pretty important in, in, in this competition. But we didn't have it all our own way. I think, you know, the first 20 minutes, I probably thought the Hurricanes had the better of us around um, executing uh, our, our errors, probably played into a little bit of that. And then, unfortunately, you know, that yellow card that we got, we scored 21 points in that in that kind of in that time period, which probably was the winning of the game. So, um, no, overall, it was a good result, and you know. We've, Got a lot to work on, but again, we're going to go against a pretty hungry side against the Chiefs, who you know we predominantly um, have good battles against. So there'll be no no different come come Saturday week. That ten minutes when Artie was off, what was the conversation there? Because you, you reached another level. You obviously tactically found a way to beat them with him gone. Yeah, I think anytime you get a, um, a yellow card, it's you know it's it's always a positive for you. And you know for us, I don't think we did we didn't do anything different. I think it was just more so that we had a lot more opportunities with the ball in hand. And um, again, we kind of just executed really well. Like I said, in that probably first 10, 15 minutes in that stanza, we probably didn't get what we wanted through our own um, execution. And then I guess kind of through that period, um, you know, we got a bit more pay out of our, our attack and then again, scoring three tries and, and 21 points in, in that 10 minutes. So now it's pretty good for us. And then, um, yeah, probably from that, probably went a little bit, um, how do I put it, pretty a little bit messy. I don't know if you would have been able to see on TV, but um, it rained a little bit in that second half. And then, I don't know, you probably would have seen so it wasn't as fluid as it was in that first half. So, um, again, we'll probably get around our game management looking at how we can do things a little bit better there. But um, overall, you know, getting a bonus point against the Wellington boys who who uh, beat us last year um, was probably a good result for us to come around to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was sort of just taking you back to that, that moment. The rain came down at 17 minutes and you got your first penalty and you spoke about that driving mall. Got the yellow card, got the penalty. Interesting decision for me that you went for the scrum uh, instead of the rolling mall that you'd just taken 15 metres. Was there, was there a reason for that? Because it ended up sucking about three minutes of that yellow card up. And in the end, obviously, mm. it got collapsed. You got another penalty. And in the end, Cody Taylor just said, I'll just do this myself and scored a try. And that sped the thing up. But um, just a couple of times, there's been decisions around penalties that have gone against the usual, I suppose, crusader way of thinking of going to the corner. Has is, is, is there been a change of thinking or are you just trying new stuff? Good question. I think, um, you know, we always are confident about our, our line-up drive, but I guess with the new rules around, you know, if that gets held up, then it kind of relieves the pressure right then and there. Whereas yeah. I think having that scrub 
Um, you know, first and foremost, you can obviously get try and go for a penalty trial with the with the man down on the bin, and then you take away that kind of um, opportunity of losing that momentum through their line out drive. So. Um, I think it might be a, a ploy for us moving forward throughout the year. You know, we might find we found ourselves in a situation where we actually might be dominating the more we will back ourselves to get over a score try. But I think, you know, predominantly our, our scrum as well is a really good weapon. And, and look, it takes away that kind of um, possibility of losing that momentum with it going over the line as you would with the drive. So um, I think that's the reason why we uh, went for the scrum in that scenario. And my WhatsApp was lighting up during that game because you were just fizzing. You'd love to hear this, Brent. No, he don't was, tell he him. Was, he was fizzing about Don't everything. tell him. He was saying all sorts of nice things about you guys that, that you've never, ever heard before. <laughs> well, what did you find most impressive about the way they went about doing their business? Oh, I, I, I'll probably use um, Blackadder's try as the example. Just the simplicity of it. Like, Hurricanes sort of just, you know, crammed the back middle of the line out and, and the Crusaders took the front. And then from the front, they just, you know, normally front ball's seen as bad ball in the line-out. And they were like, right, we'll, we'll take the front. And then they use their forwards once, they use their forwards twice, and then Richie Mwanga switches back, has one, you know, lick uh, at, at, with his backs. Nothing really comes off. They go back to their forwards, they go back to their forwards. Then uh, Mitchell Drummond with uh, Lester Fayanuku, who I thought was exceptional, uh, on the day, uh, just comes off his shoulder and, and runs a little dart off, off Mitchell Drummond's um, shoulder there and sort of makes a little bit of dent. They go back to their forwards. They eventually work their way to a penalty. Uh, Mitchell Drummond takes that quick tap, gets close to the line. Forwards roll up their sleeves. They get the try. But the simplicity of just taking what option is presented to them and not rushing, building phases and building pressure through phases of, of you know playing to the conditions, a bit of wet weather, um, nothing flash, nothing you know overplaying the hand. Maybe a little bit of a switch from Richie was you know um, bit creative. A little bit of uh, work from a you know I suppose a rover in the winger sense, but you know real simple footy that led to a try into that 22 area that we know the Crusaders are so effective. And uh, you know you see so many um, teams get into that 22 area. We spoke about the Highlanders against the Crusaders in that 22 area. You know, three or four chances not coming away with points. The Hurricanes had a number of chances uh, yesterday going into that 22 and, and not coming away with points. Uh, just that effective nature, that ruthless um, simplicity in their game, and they get come away with those points time and time again. You have to admire because it's not, you know, complicated, but it's just so effective, and, and it is... I hate to say it, pretty to watch at times. <laughs> In a way, it was kind of your average super rugby cliche. The Crusaders are clinical, they get their job done, they win. The Hurricanes come in, uh, by the end of the game, people are laying into their forward pack and saying, what's going on with this team? They're just a bunch of backs. Like, what do you think about the way that the Canes forward pack has gone? I, I think it's unfair in that sense. I just think the, the Crusaders were clinical in um, taking advantage of the ill-discipline. I don't think it's a, a skill set thing or a physical thing or a, um, a Hurricanes forward pack versus a Crusaders forward pack. I'll give you an example. Um, I suppose just after half time, it's a Hurricanes scrum put in and uh, they get done for leaning in, I think Fraser Armstrong, and it's a free kick. From that, obviously, it becomes Hur uh, Crusaders put in. And from that, they go blindside, Richie Moanga in the wet, pins the corner, right? Puts the pressure straight back 
on to the Hurricanes from there the overthrow Cody Taylor scores that's only been put in there just from a skill set point of view rather than a physical prowess point of view so you can easily say oh the type five's not manning up or the type five's not doing their job well it's not actually about the prowess or the of, or the nature of the beast it's actually just a technical thing so you can't, I think sometimes we get caught up and we just don't actually look at the game as a whole. And, and I think that, you know, Tyrell Lomax is an all-black. Mm. Uh, Safa Amua is an all-black. Ricky Riccatelli was in the all-blacks, you know, squad. He travelled over. Um, Fraser Armstrong has, has built a career, a long career in Mighty 10 Cup uh, and Super Rugby. Um, Xavier Numeo has been exceptional. You know, he's another sort of a Safa Amour, explosive, great off-the-bench sort of player. You've got Scott Scrafton there, James Blackwell, um, Isaiah Walker-Leah Wary, who, who has done, you know, great things at Hawke's Bay and Wellington over the years. They've got the type five there, and then their Lucy's speak for themselves. So it's, it, I don't think it's a cattle thing. It's just about winning those small moments that the Crusaders are so good and ruthless at taking advantage of. If you give them a sniff, yellow cards, we'll go back to Tony Brown saying, we didn't get reward for the yellow cards. Well, there's the Crusaders get a yellow card, they score 21 points. Yeah. So that, that's not, a, it, it's not a, a cattle thing. It's just a, it's a team ruthless nature in the way they do, and they, they expose you. And, and that's why they've been champions four times in a row. And, and look, I hate to say it, I, I don't want to say it, but look, the, the proof is there again. 21 points, yellow card, a free kick from a scrum, we'll take the scrum, Richie Moanga, great game management, in the wet, bang, forces, pressure, try. So Bryn, is it a focus thing? I mean, you've played in other teams other than the Crusaders, is there just a higher level of focus that you see when you get into that team that takes it to the next level in those key moments? Um, well, to, to a certain extent, I just think it's, it's it's really simple. I think it's just concentrating on, on your own role and having trust within that. Um, and so when you've got that kind of mindset around, yep, there's 15 guys that are on the field at the time and you know exactly what they're doing and what their role is, collectively you just get real, real confidence around that. And so, yes, I think Jip's right around the um, execution and being ruthless around that. But I guess when you've got the same guys that are on the same page consistently for the full 80 minutes, again, you're not going to always get it right, but... You know, nine times out of ten, if you know what you're doing as your own player in your own role, then um, you know it leads to moments like that. So, and then at, at the same time as well, you know we've been pretty fortunate the last four or five years. We've had the same kettle the last uh, four or five years. So, you know those little game management moments where it's a quick look or it's a quick understanding of how someone plays or what they're thinking. And you know most of the time, sometimes we're pretty lucky that um, you know we know exactly what we're thinking and I don't even really need to talk about it. So that continuity that we've talked about, you talk about the Blues who've kind of forming that continuity of having the same players that have been there for four or five years. And it's those kind of experienced moments and understanding of um, being in those positions time and time again, you get confidence out of that. But at the same time, um, coming back to my point, when you when you know your own role and you've got 15 players that are on the field doing that, then nine times out of 10, you're going to be successful in those, in those moments. It's kind of a double-edged sword though, isn't it? Because that success that you've had in those moments has allowed you the confidence to have more success in, success in that moment. So how do you create that in the first place? Well, I think it is. It's, it's over time. It's built up over time. It's built up through competition for spaces. You know, we've had this discussion at length around the training week and then almost that training becoming harder than, you know, the game and then the standards. You know, I, I suppose you look at, I don't know what was said at halftime, but at 26, I can't remember, 26-6 at halftime, I mean, Scott Robinson looked filthy. I, I don't know. I don't know if he was filthy, but he looked filthy. Mm. Camera zoomed in on him, and then when he was in the huddle, he was laying down, you know, the law of his expectation. And 
um, you know, although it was messy in the second half, and, and you know, I think you ended up losing the second half points-wise. Um, you know, that, that, again, that was where the standards the standards are, and, and that's probably why they're. And let, let's be honest, they've got All Blacks galore. You know, you got your Taylors and your Whitelocks and your your Barretts, and you know, Sam Whitelock is you know still playing some of his best footy. He's throwing flick passes yesterday, which were exceptional around the. 62-minute mark, you know, he's still showing new skills. So they've got some great, great, you know, cattle that's been around a long time. And, and then you take guys like TJ and Bowden out of the hurricane. So there are reasons for it. And But there's, that's the reality. There's no point making those excuses. At, at some point, um, you know, someone's got to be able to knock them over. And, and that's what the, the, the beauty is of this, this season is... is Targeting that and and seeing where where the the weakness is and and the the biggest thing is is taking care of yourself first and I think yesterday mm. as I explained in that forty fifth minute is just not giving them the opportunity it, when you when you give them when you've got a scrum you just can't give them that free kick that allows them the out to be able to pin you back in your own half you can't have a have you can't kick to your twenty two. And then not execute your line out, and then you know um, I think Asafa Moore got taken out, and then it becomes the Crusaders' line out, and then Reed Princep pulls down um, uh, in the air, and then it's a penalty, and then from that penalty Scott Barrett call, scores in the corner just before half time. You're just allowing them in to their own 22. You get a uh, again um, at the start of the game, you get a drop out from the goal line, and you go for a short drop out. They're the most successful team in the 22. Why would you give the ball to them in the 22? Yeah. So it's just about realising their strengths and playing away from it and playing to your strengths to enable to you know, access their weaknesses. So, so when you talk about that decision and you mentioned TJ and Bodie, they've been without Bodie for over a year now. They've been without TJ for a few months. Are they in a position now where the guys who've replaced them are making decisions that are appropriate? Obviously not quite. How close are they to getting that axis right that's going to help them get closer to beating a team like the Crusaders? Well, I, 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 it's a really hard one to answer because I'm not in, involved in their decisions because that's, that's not a game. The examples I used, they weren't game management. That's an individual skill set. And, and I suppose, speaking from experience, because I've done it as well, when you want to win so bad, you almost try too hard, and the harder you try, you know, almost more penalties. You know, you can come in here, Bryn. We've had some tough times at Harbour, and and it is, it is the harder you try, the the worse it gets. You know, I'll even probably use the Waratahs as an example here against the Force on the weekend. They created so many opportunities, and that last pass or that last um, effort or or um, the penalty they gave away to give the Force the win. It's just trying too hard and that was a little bit um, like that on the weekend uh, you know if it was the shoe was on the other foot if Artie picks and goes and that um, ball just bounces up for Wes Houston the game at six or uh, six none you know it could be you know 13 nil and it's a different it's a different game but when it's just not going your way I know I know the world doesn't work like that but do you know what I mean like if it's yeah. just not going your way sometimes it's just not um, because you're trying so hard to get that result. Bryn, you were watching through that first half from the sideline and then you got to see it on the field. How did you feel that the, the drivers of the Hurricanes went? Yeah, I think they, they went OK. I think, again, you know, the 21 points, you know, is through obviously indiscretion around what Ardy's decision and got the yellow card. So 
you know, that sort of game management thing that's coming back to Chipper's point around a situation that's happened. So, but I think just going back to the, I think the first 20 minutes, it, it could have been a different story as well with Jackson mm. Garden Bashup with that intercept. Mm. Um, look, you know, I think in that first 20 minutes, you know, they got six points um, through a bit of our ill discipline and then, you know, they put a bit of line speed pressure on us, which they always traditionally do. And then Jackson gets that intercept and look, you know, credit to Leicester and, and Seve. If you actually look at the clip around that, Seve is actually on the ground when he makes that pass. And he's the one that ends up making that tackle to save that try. And I think, you know, you know, you think about it, it could be 13-0 and, you know, it could just be a different story than the context of how the flow of how that game goes. So um, I think they had their chance, especially in that first 20 minutes, they were roaring. And then just to come back to your point around that, um, Ross, around that 9 and 10, I think, you know, it's, it's just going to it's gonna take time and, you know, it's just going to be a collective effort from that. And I think with young uh, young 9 and 10, even sorry, young 9 and 10 pairing or inexperienced pairing, it's really crucial for the guys around them to really step up and help them through that. Again, they've been very fortunate. They've had Bodie and TJ the last probably decade where they've dictated a lot of the communication, a lot of the decision-making and been based around that, being based around them, and that's how their teams flowed from that. But I think from this, you know, it's a great opportunity for those guys that we've talked about. We've talked about Tomatini and Campbell who came on the weekend. It's just going to take time for them to settle to that um to that kind of um, stage, but then the guys outside, like Nani, who's been there for a while, and Geordie Barrett, the influence that they have to have on those inside backs is going to be crucial for them to be moving forward. And then you know they're tight, their their front eight as well, just going to have to perform and give them good forward go, good good go forward and board um, ball, sorry, so then they can actually um, play on top of teams because like they did in that first twenty minutes. You know, you talk around game management, they did exactly what they wanted to do. They were playing on top of us, um, exiting really well and getting the points that they deserved um, through their play in that first 20 minutes. What do you do with Celesi Rayasi? He's a guy who once again showed us exactly what he can do with ball in hand. The odd drop here and there, which seems to, to go along with it as well. How do you fit him into this team? Well, he's in the 23, yeah. for, for starters. And um, I, I think there's one thing that I always like to say when this discussion happens because sometimes you know guys come on and they make a massive impact and people are like oh he's got to start you know but they come on and make an impact and and it's against tiring bodies at 60 minutes and it's a there's a big difference between making that impact at super level at the start um, then coming on at 60 against tiring bodies and making the same impact I'll just put that first um, I think Julian's playing some great footy and I think he has to stay in the 11 personally for me uh, reason being is his kick chase efforts, his aerial skills um, around not only the box kick but as we saw for um, Umanga Jensen's try. I think it shows his physical conditions he's in, the way he's getting up in the air and winning that um, air battle, um, not only for that try but um, a lot of those box kicks and, and getting that ball back and then just his work off the ball and, and finding and touches and then Direct carries off set piece we know he's so good at. He's always getting that game line carry and, and he's he's doing the work around there. And you can only get the ball that you delivered. And, and for me, both games, he's he's shown plenty. Maybe there's, there's space for him on the right wing. Um, you know, not to say that Wes Houston hasn't uh, performed either, uh, but there is maybe potential for him to have a crack there. Purely based on maybe Mita 10 cut form. He was probably one of the players, if not the player, um, of the Mauritian Cup. I know Flau Fakatava uh, won the Dwayne Monkley, but for me, he was just an absolute standout. Uh, definitely a level below um, Super Rugby, I know that, but we, we do, I agree, we have to see more of him uh, because he is just electric and, and a game changer. He can certainly uh, light things up. So I think of what we saw in the 23 minutes he played, I think he showed enough to the coaches that we will see more of him, if not 
uh, starting uh, a, an earlier entry into the into the game off the bench. Yeah, we, we saw with uh, Jonah Nareki in that Chiefs-Highlanders game, when a guy's got that touch, how important it can be to turn a game on its head. You know, the, mm. the Chiefs possibly would have won that game if he wasn't on the field and making those touches. And how good is it to see the hype 15? You know, he was in that selection <laughs> for that hype 15 and, you know, Caleb Clark's got some pressure on him because I ended up selecting Caleb Clark ahead of him, which, you know, makes me nervous <laughs> now. You know, um, but uh, it, 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 it seriously was a one-man show. And, and probably, if you look at it, is a positive for the Chiefs because... It was one-on-one missed tackles that led to, you know, three sort of freakish tries, a, a try assist and two tries of his own. Um, so it, I, it would have been a lot closer, and if not um, a Chiefs win, had he not been on the field. I mean, it was just freakish, especially that long-range one that he set up for Zell. That was just... I mean, he let the ball bounce twice. I almost thought Gats was going to get it. I was like, man, he's been cavalier here. Mm. I was thinking, Gats is going to get it. And then he just sprints past him and then threw two All Blacks, um, Sam Kane and Tupo Vai. And then um, I think he just casually comes across, gets tackled, and then loops the offload to Frizzell, who I thought was, was great in that game as well. And the rest is just on mystery. That. Yeah, just on there, Jabrok and obviously Nereki, how many times can you actually talk around like a one-man team? You know, there's 15 players that's in a game, but very rarely is there one guy that can dominate a game and actually win a game. But I think the most crucial part of that game was actually his his first try. Um, when obviously you talked around Gats put there, putting that kick in. You know, before that, it's, it's 20 to 6. They've got a, um, a guy in the sin bin, and the Chiefs are pretty much on top of them. You know, if that kick goes on and they don't, and they score in that, in that scenario, you're looking at 27-6, and I think, you know, you start having the conversation around, is it a little bit too far for the for the Highlanders to come back into it? But it was more so like, like a 14-point try, you know? So, um, oh, Mate, yeah, the guy I, I that needs was... a shout-out there is... I know Jonah Nereki runs the distance there, but is the guy that came out from the bin is C.O. Tomkinson, who got the charge down. Because uh, yep. he'd come back on, and I thought, I thought he, he's going to need a big one here, and he gets the charge down as soon as he's back on the field. When the skip had just gone on, I thought, well, he's got one back there, and and that was a massive sprint, I know, by Jonah, but that was a that was a good effort to get the charge down by C.O. Tomkinson there to to allow Jonah Nareki to to run the distance there. Um, you mentioned Seve before. One thing that I've noticed around Jonah as well, you look at his time when he's been at, um, at playing for Otago and a little bit with the Highlanders, he's always been that kind of nifty and you know good skill set and, and quite um, quite quick. But mate, if you can bump off Sam Kane, who's you know probably one of the better tacklers in world rugby, pretty easily, uh, I think it just shows how powerful and actually how real strong he is with ball in hand. So I think mate, triple threat because he's got a great left foot as well. He's got uh, um, all the skills around if you want run, kick, and pass. So. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he goes in that form 15 of yours, Jet moving forward. <laughs> yeah, he's got well, he runs between he runs between people though, doesn't he? He either steps you, or he runs between defenders, and and he's got that ability to that first five meters sort of pace that you know you might think you've got him, but then he just goes yeah. like that, and I think that's what both Sammy Kane and and Tupovai thought. They thought, oh, we've got him covered. Because when you saw on replay, it actually looked like they did have him covered. And then he just, yeah. almost like a little goosey, and he was gone and, and just exploded through it with his, with his power. And, I mean, that, those are two big boys. And I, I even looked on the replay and thought, how did he get through that? Yeah. Because they still yeah. hit him. Yeah. Like, there was, yeah. it was good contact. 
the power to weight ratio of him and Seba Reese is off the charts because they're not big men, are they? Yeah, I mean, they're solid, but they're not big men. We were talking about Julian Savia and Celeste Rayasi. I mean, they're big men. Yeah. These guys are relatively small, Bryn. Oh, they're pound for pound. That's probably the best way to put it. Use it in boxing terms, you know, pound for pound. Um, yeah, if I'm looking at Sevier, for example, yep, he's not tall of, you know, the guy of like a Julian Sevier or even the height of Geordie Barrett. But, mate, his his power and his that kind of power moving into contact and um, you think that you've got him, but he's like just a little pocket rocket, a ball of muscle. And so um, in those close quarters of like the contact, you know, the one that um, Chip was talking about with Jonah, I've seen Sevier as well do the similar thing where you think you've got him, but... It's that kind of just a little bit of power movement going into contact that they somehow just find a way to get a, get a, get through it or offloads and being able to keep that ball alive in, in game. It's great to watch. Oh, it is. Is, is he making a little bit of a, a, a Sever Reese charge to a, to a black jersey? What do you do there? How many wingers are there? Oh, there's a few. There, there's, there's a number. Yeah. They're, they're starting to load up. You know, because Sever's coming back into form. You've got yeah. Caleb Clark. You've got George Bridge, who's rehabbing, probably watching, going, Struth, I'm under the pump here. I need to get back out on the field. You've got Will Jordan, who just pops back up and reminds you he's, he's epic. Yeah. You know, even though the try was disallowed, he just sprints past everyone. I mean, there's just there's, there's people. And, you, and you, I know Julian's come back, but you have to consider him. Yep. Like, I know there's people out there saying you know, he's past it, but I, I, I don't think they're watching... Just watch him. Watch, like, yeah. Just just watch him. Yeah, just just on the being able to see that, yes, again, it's, you talked about the aerial skills and you know, we pride on ourselves being able to, to stop people to try to get up for the ball, but his ability to, to have a knack of just understanding where the escorts are of us trying to, to block or going up for the ball and his work rate getting up for the ball, um, he's been fantastic around there, not just in our game, but um, in the first game as well. And yeah. His work rate as well, his, his work rate as well mate. Um, you know, you don't get to see a lot of it on two because you see it in one angle, but his ability to take the backfield cover, working in, working with his outsides and that pendulum, um, again as well, he also just defended in the front line as well, considering with his defense, he's a big man, and, you know, they put him in that kind of transition area a couple of times to, to beefen it up. So, no, look, mate, I think Jules has been absolutely impressive, and I talked about it last week around he looks like he's got that enjoyment factor and he's, he's enjoying being back home and you know, having the chance to play with Artie Severe as well as brother. Um, you know, it's probably just adding to the field of his fire where he's enjoying being back home and playing for a team that he loves to play for. And he looks in mean shape. Oh, he does. I was just about to get excited about Artie Severe then. <laughs> How good's he? <laughs> God. Yeah, it's so much, so much fire. Geez, I'd so be welcome fire. at their dinner table, wouldn't I? Uh, yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I hope they're listening. Uh, but Julian, I mean, let's talk a bit more about him. Has he come back as an, as an improved player? Are these things that we saw out of Julian before he left or are these new skill sets that we hadn't seen before from Julian? No, I don't think he's come back as an improved player. I just think he's come back as a, as a settled and happy uh, man off the field. And I think he's just happy. Mm. I just think his happiness and his, and his joy um, of his time with his family and being back with his, his wider family and, and um, back in New Zealand... I think it just is is just emulated on. He just looks happy. I, I don't know. That's just me looking there, you know, because he's always had the rugby skill set. I don't think he's an improved uh, rugby player. I think he's always had that naturally. Um, he's he's just come back and he just is playing with, I don't know. It looks like a freedom and and uh, just a real want to do well for that jersey. 
and a real want to back up his brother as a skipper. Yeah, and what's he got to lose? Yeah, nothing. With everything to gain. Yeah. Um, and 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 there might be a little bit of a chip there to prove a few people wrong. I don't know, but I think yeah. he's doing that at the moment. I think as well, if you look before before he left, um, you think about all the the time he had with the All If you think about from the time he finished school, going through the age grade system, and then playing, you know, relatively early on for the All Blacks, and then. I guess just the kind of media attention that it was always surrounding him. And if you think around his last probably maybe 24 months in New Zealand, yes, he was playing well, but then, you know, probably wasn't as consistent as he is was he when he was in early in his career. So I think just getting away and then, you know, experiencing something different in a different country and then, you know, I guess maybe having a realisation and an understanding of like how good it is to be in New Zealand and to play in New Zealand. And then we've already addressed it around, you know, being a part um, with family. And, you know, you, you can imagine that, you know, he's got a family as well and, and then being back with Artie and then seeing that wider community of his family as well that Chip alluded to, I think it's just added to that as well. And I think, again, having a chip on your shoulder as well. I think mm. he's kind of making really good nick and, um, you know, it's energetic and, you know, it's showing on the field. So I think it's just all a, um, a combination of all those things. And, at least, look, he's going to be great for the, for the Hurricanes moving forward. He's a player who I don't think gets the credit for overcoming adversity that he had. I remember that first season he had with the Canes. He'd come out of the under-20s and people were saying, this is the new Jonah, you know, which is the worst thing to be tagged with in the entire world. Had a tough 2011 in his first season with the Canes and came back in 2012 as an absolute weapon. He's a guy who actually can go away and work on things and has a determination to do it that I don't think people give him credit for. He's yeah, I th they probably don't because he did come back and just carve so much that they just probably forgot about 2011 yeah and it's just like you only sort of remember how that how great he was and and he was great for so long that that's just yeah. forgotten about do you know what I mean and uh, but I think I think he will um, command that respect now because of what once he left here and and went over to France and obviously it was well documented the the um, I don't know, the owner or whatever went on over there. Well, yeah. um, and then coming back here, I don't know, he just seems at peace. I don't know, he just seems a lot happier. Um, and, and that's certainly shown in the way he's playing. Yeah. Now, one of the other things that happened out wide this weekend was Connor Garden Bashup went up to catch a pass, not a kick, a pass. And while he was in the air, he hit Teni Nanasaturo, who was already seemingly committed, and he flipped over the top, hit the ground and there was no penalty. Let's start with you, Bryn. What do you make of this rule? Rule 9.11 says players must not do anything reckless or dangerous that could affect others. Now, I don't think it really applies in this situation when you're only affecting yourself. Um, what should we do with players in the air of catch of court ball? Oh, yeah, I was, I was pretty surprised, to be honest, that um, that didn't come to anything in the end. Um, I was looking at the on the TV, and when it happened, I was like, oof, man, that's very similar to what Charlie Farmoina did in that Lions series and, um, you know, got a penalty for that, or at least a penalty for that. So, um, yeah, I think it, there is an expectation, especially if you're looking around, let's take the example of someone going for, for the um, for a high ball, you know, um, both colliding in the air. doesn't matter if you're, if you're um, the person going underneath and you get it wrong. It's it's your it's your responsibility to make sure that you make the right decision because again you want it, it has to be re it's been it's been ref then I think that example that was on the weekend yeah I think it's definitely deserving of a penalty especially in that situation because of the way it went of the way his where his body landed and again it's been refed it's been refed hard in, in the past but 
you know, fortunately uh, for the for the team, you know, they were very lucky to get away with, you know, not even a penalty. They didn't even go upstairs because you know, the half-time whistle would be blown on. So I'm not too sure. I don't know what you reckon about that, Jip. Uh, it's a hard one because, I mean, Connor Gardenbashup clearly is looking at the ball. So he's, he's and he has to, well, he does have to jump because it is quite a high. Um Nano Sturu is committed, like he's thinking he's going to have to tackle someone and it just happened so quick, but it is exactly the same as Charlie Farmwina, if not potentially worse, it did, like his was sort of in close quarter off a nine, it was off a nine, you know, close to the ruck, whereas this was a, a wide pass and it, and it, at, at first look I thought, ooh, Struth, that, uh, and nothing was done and I thought at least the TMO would bring it back. Um... But I, I think because there was no injury and the way it was ref, the right thing was done. But the problem is by saying that, and yes, I know what I'm saying, by saying that, if there is injury, yeah. you know, you're looking at a, a very grey area. So it, it's something has to be done about this rule. Because look at us, we can't we can't settle on an answer here. I don't have the answer. I don't know what's right or wrong, if I'm honest. Um, because it doesn't look right. Yeah. Certainly doesn't look right. Um, but I, I don't think it's fair on either player because Garden Bishop has to go for it. He's not going to just watch it go out for his team. But Nano Saturu can't just stand there and go, oh, you just run through for a try. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, it's just so hard. So it's either yeah. you've got to let the guy land and he, the rule has to be you can catch it, Connor Garden Bishop, but as soon as you hit the ground, you've just got to go to the ground. And, and you can't run on, is, is the only way yeah. I can think of a solution. Yeah. Because, because momentum's I'm, always going to take you forward. Hmm. Is it not? I'm, 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 I'm with you on that, Joe. But then again, I reckon, you know, if that happens, because I could definitely see where your point is coming, if that happens where, you know, he's laying on the ground and he's out cold, then I reckon it's, it's a red card. Oh, 100%. You know, so... If there was more damage, yeah. it's a red card. But I'm more worried. I'm not even worried about, like... Well, I am worried if it's a concussion, but like a neck injury. But who's, or, the, yeah. who's the red card against? Because you're talking about a guy, the instinct of a rugby player, when it's just drawn past rugby, is not that someone's going to be jumping at you. You know, that doesn't happen in rugby. That happens when you kick the ball and someone's going to catch it. But when it's a pass, the instinct's completely different. You're coming up out of the line at a guy who's supposed to be receiving the pass on the ground, not receiving it in the air. So in you're the saying... the Charlie Farmawina thing... Sinclair jumped at the last second, and you can't prepare for that. So how can the player who's making the tackle possibly be at fault when he's not going to know that's going to happen? Anyone can just start jumping into the tackle a second before it happens, and then, boom, it's a penalty against the guy. Yeah, but I don't think any... I don't think it would ever get to that point where a player would maliciously do that, but you can see that Garden Bishop's not doing that, but you're saying that if... Garden Bishop's knee hit Nanai Satoru in the head and knocked him out. Yeah. Then it could be a red card the other way. The other way, because yeah. you're inflicting the danger. The, the tackler cannot be ready for that thing to happen in front of him no. in that situation. And so it makes it impossible to give him a card, doesn't it? Oh, it's just, again, I'll state look at how many angles we're looking at it from yeah. and how hard it is to referee. Yeah. So it, I, it's definitely something that needs to be looked at. But if, if you look at it, for both sides that we're looking at right now, you'd have to say on the night, the way it was dealt with, you'd have to say they dealt with it well. Yeah. As well as can be. 
Because there's going to be people out there that are probably going to listen to this just going, let's look at that guy sitting on the fence. And I'm not normally a fence sitter, but I actually don't know which way to go on this. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's too hard. If, if the Blues was playing, I'd be going on their way. <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. No, you're not. It's almost a different part of the, the different part of um, a situ- different situation, sorry, but the only kind of thing that I can think around something like that would be happening would be contest a contest in the air. And uh, I think it's been definitely addressed in, in the past around how's the player safety around um, people going up into the air. So I guess the way we've been taught and gone to the messaging that we've said is that you've got you've just got to have an awareness and understanding around a different the, the different situation. Like if you're both going up for the final but you've just got using time. A, um, You've got time. Correct. You're looking at the ball, Correct. you've got time. A pass is, you just don't have time. Like, Nano Satoru did not have time to be what, like, yeah, you can have eye on the ball, but there's just no way he can be like, it's just, if we get to that point, like, Rush D will almost be dead. Mm. Because he's rushing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, again, it's, it's a very, like, how often do you see that in a game? That, that scenario there. I know, but, but, you're you're, right, Jeff, but I think. all it takes is one yeah. incident and Correct. a dangerous, you know, yeah. like, so it has to be addressed. Mm. And in some cases, yeah, like so the thumb winner case, it's, it's the winning or losing of the game. Yeah. Or drawing. Yeah. Of the series. The series, yeah. Let it go, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So do we, we don't have consensus here. Well, no, what, look, I, I actually don't have a way to go. Yeah. I don't have a... The only solution I have is potentially... Um, the defender has the ability to pull out because he can see it happening, but as soon as the attacker hits the deck, he has to know that, or it gets pulled back for a scrum. Yeah. The referee has the ability to go, no, no, defender did the right thing and pulled out. It was dangerous play. Mm. Um, but then you just get in in real hard grounds if the ref doesn't see it that way and they run through for a try. Oh. Good Lord. We had um, Ben O'Keefe come in here um, into Sky earlier on and just before the season started, and he talked about refing with more common sense this season, allowing them to make more judgment calls in and around those dangerous tackle areas and things like that. Brent, do you feel like that's working? I feel like it's working so far through two rounds. Well, it definitely happened yesterday in that one. Uh, I think Geordie Barrett tried to throw a quick throw in into a Crusaders player that was running away, like wasn't trying to block it. And Ben O'Keefe goes, well, do you want me to penalise you? Yeah. Because to Geordie Barrett, because he was just like, well, mate, like I can see what you're trying to do. Yes, it's the letter of the law, but he's not trying to block you. He's just trying to run away. Yeah. You know. So uh, I, 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 I don't know. I'm not out there, but from from a viewer's point of view, it definitely looks like it's. Um, and maybe that example we've just spoken about, mm. maybe that was um, uh, the ref's way of of riffing it, or the three, the team of three riffing it with some common sense. It's good. You talk to the refs a lot, Bryn, so you'd know. <laughs> hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
No, I, I think there, yeah, I think Kovac just when there definitely has been a few more um, comments. And that example there, I was actually on the field when that happened when Geordie chucked it into him. And I think probably they must have done it previously in the first half. It was done the other way around. So, again, it was more so like that common sense. You've done it. I'm not going to penalise him because you did it about, you know, 30, 40 minutes ago. So, and I think, yeah, I think there's definitely been more common sense um, around that. And I think what else I've actually probably seen as well is just the involvement of the assistant referees and how much of an influence they're having, they're having way more influence in the game, and especially around the, the kick chase. Um, we've been, I guess, they're not the new laws, but they're roughing it really hard if you, when you kick the ball and, and kick battles, like you know, if you're kicking it long and you're having that kind of kick battle, territory battle. Um, they're actually policing it really, really hard. And if you actually can hear on the mic, we hear it on the mic, um, the ref, the ref, the ref's mic, they're actually judging that really, really well. Like if, you, if you're going to move a metre and you're, not, you're in front of the ball, they're going to penalise you that, they're going to penalise you. And then you can even just hear them in and around uh, the communication with the with the referees because I think for a long time you know people would be thinking you know what do what do the assistant referees actually do but I think they're actually making a really good effort and they're actually communicating and it's actually not just based around the ref it's based around the three officiators officials sorry that are refereeing the game together collectively plus the people upstairs that have been gone that are there with you know the decisions around um, a captain's challenge or foul play challenge so. I think collectively, I think it's been a massive improvement um, compared to last year. Now, you've obviously had a good session with your PR team there because <laughs> uh, you're on the other, the wrong side of a, a penalty count again yesterday. Uh, was there another chat around discipline uh, for the Crusaders? Uh, the, the, oh, no, day off today. So do you think the review uh, might, might be around discipline again? Yeah, look, I think we, we did make an improvement. We didn't get any yellow cards, which is nice. Yeah. So we haven't had a yellow card, we had a yellow card the last two weeks. So um, I think we just got a, we had a better understanding around you know, not having back-to-back and your yeah, back-to-back penalties, which would be able to dictate a yellow card. But again, yeah, it's it's a it's definitely something that we're going to have to talk about. But I think we made improvements just around um, you know not getting ourselves in a situation where we're playing down with 40 men because I addressed it last week that. If we're going to give teams an opportunity to, to go down. We could be in a very similar scenario where you look at the Hurricanes on the other side. Um, they had Ardy off and we scored 21 points. So we're very fortunate last week when we played the Highlanders. Um, you know, we didn't give them many points away. But again, when you put yourself in those situations, you can either try to hold on, like we like our example, where we were fortunate enough not to give away too many points. But you look at the Hurricanes on the weekend, they gave away 21 points when Artie was off for 10 minutes. Yeah, we, we get it, mate. You scored 21 points in <laughs> 10 minutes, mate. What's the count? Did you put a little graphic up in the 21 points, 21 points. Ding, ding, nah, ding, look, ding. You can, yeah, uh, mate, I think uh, Scott Robinson will be really happy with you this week, mate. You've done well on the ref front. You've answered that really well. Yeah, 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 yeah. The penalties won't be... You don't have to worry about those. The Chiefs do. The Chiefs gave away a lot at the breakdown on the way to falling away in that game. Well, so did the Highlanders, theoretically. You know, both sides, like, if you look, if you look at the Highlanders, they got punished pretty hard with yellow cards and, and, and they got punished with points. Like, it was 20, 20 points pretty heavily early and I think that's the difference is, is what Brownie was alluding to the week before is he was getting yellow cards but then they weren't getting the reward, whereas... His team got the yellow cards and the Chiefs got the reward, but they had the ability to fight their way back um, through the brilliance. And then, obviously, in the flip side of the, the second 40, the Chiefs, due to the pressure um, you know, mounting of, of that possession and, 
and again, their own errors sort of put them in that 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 field position. I think a knock on and a, and a kick out on the full um, put them in that position, and and then from there, um, you know, I think it was a scrum penalty and advantage. And then once you're on that back foot, that's when the breakdown and offside penalties come into it. And I, I think they got such good reward in that first twenty around the breakdown because I put in my notes when I was watching the game. They genuinely looked like the Chiefs of 12 and 13. And it was around the quick taps, uh, the quick 22, keeping the ball alive, uh, catching the team off guard. You know, they were the ones that used to, you know, roll the ball away at the line-out time and then pick it up and and throw a quick line-out. And, um, you know, you can see Leonard Brown was looking to quick tap and and they got so much reward around that. um, and, And their breakdown was like, you know, I know that, you know, when Tom Coventry came to us and uh, they called it napalm, you know, like uh, they'd clean a ruck and there'd just be bodies everywhere. And, and um, I think um, Arcoy picked through the middle and Brad Weber was there and that led to C.O. Tompkinson's yellow card. They had so much reward in that first 20. They almost thought, you know, we're going to go back. And, and Sammy Kane from the first kickoff got that turnover. Um, Sione Mafalo, trop tackle, Sammy Kane on the ball, boom. They almost went back to that in that second half once they lost the momentum and they just weren't as accurate because they weren't winning the collision. The Highlanders came out with a little bit more vigour and they were they were starting to win the collision, which put them on the back foot, which meant they couldn't you know have the stability and they weren't in that position or they weren't showing the picture that the ref was seeing in that first 20 that allowed them to get those results. So I don't think it's a drastic for the Chiefs. I know people are out there and there's a lot being said, but I'm really positive for, for where, where, where they can go in the sense that what I've just said, you know, the, the positive signs of, of their willingness to play and their upbeat tempo and their physicality around the breakdown and, and, you know, if they stick with the changes, I think, as I said, the reason I picked the Highlanders last week is I think the changes they've made will be good for them, but it's going to take time. With their leaders, it'll, 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 it'll come. Um, and then if they just can, you know, edge that out for longer periods, it'll it'll be good for them. And, and I, I just I think if you look at the tries of Nareki, it's just one-on-one tackles, and you know maybe some skill execution errors at key times like knock-ons and kicks out on the full that allowed the Highlanders into their territory, which led to those opportunities, which are so fixable. They're not system errors. You know, Fakatava's try, before he did the dummy, and, you know, that's, again, that's an individual error, the dummy, to fall for the dummy and go, that was a wall. Yeah. The, the, I, they didn't really look like they were getting through that to me. Do, do you agree? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just felt like they were going back. Bryn, I don't know how you saw it, but they were going back and forward, back and forward, and then I was thinking, man, if they don't go over here, you, you'll start to th- you, they'll start to be thinking about last week. Yeah. You know, if they don't get the reward here, if the Chiefs can get somehow a turnover here and get out of here... And then Flau Fakatawa scored, and then it's almost like the floodgates open from there. But they, they defensively in their system, I know they're giving away a few penalties, but they looked good. So I don't think it's. I, I think there's enough to see there to be positive about, personally. Two to three times they knocked it on in the second half within the Highlanders 22. They're there. Uh, yeah. There. You know, just you. Yeah. Uh, that's, but again, there's, there's still been a lot of change. Like, we just Bryn's just said like the the benefit they get for being together for four or five years is massive. You know we're starting to see it with the Blues now the cohesion and, and the time together and that depth created. 
you know, systems are in place, um, connections, combinations over time. It's, it will take a little bit of time. Even harder when you've had three coaches in just over two years. Yeah, uh, but I, I still think there's positive enough signs to say that, that, that you'll, see, you'll see some benefit this year. I'm not saying give up on this season. I'm saying, like, I was really impressed, like, with, with what I saw. Like, I was sitting on my couch going, I was stressing about my tip. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, Bryn Hall's going to be roaring at me next week. He's going to be ahead of me. But he wasn't. But, yeah. No, I think, yeah. I think, yeah. It's probably the two things that I put around that, that first 20 minutes. They can take a lot of confidence around that. And, look, we're obviously playing them this weekend. You know, any time we get an opportunity to play the Chiefs, we know it's a, it's a tough encounter because they almost add another leg when they when we play against them. And we've always had some great battles over there. It doesn't matter what position they are on the table or whatever, how they're playing. Any time we play them, it's always a... It's always a tough encounter. We always, you know, they've actually had the wall over us a couple of times, whether that be in Fiji or up in Hamilton last year. So I think, again, I think the two things that I saw around that was there was their tempo in that, in that first 20 minutes and, you know, winning that collision battle. You talk around that collision, Jipper, and winning that. And, you know, if they can get the likes of, you know, Brad Weber and, you know, like a Damien McKenzie, Damien McKenzie when he played at 15, or even, you know, even if, if he's at 10 as well, if they can get them good go forward ball, um, you know, they're a tough team. They're a tough team to play against. And, I think they should be able to take real confidence around that first 20 minutes. Again, um, you know, tackle technique and tackle execution, you know, that's an easy fix because that's, a, that's, a, that's your own individual role of being able to get that right. And, yes, I agree around their system. They looked actually pretty good. It was just missed tackles within um, individuals. So I think they can take a lot from it. And, again, I think we'll, be, we'll have to be on our toes this week. We know that they're always tough to play. And, um, again, you know, whenever we play them, it's always a tough encounter. So... I don't think at all they're out of the competition. I think you know they're in a position where they can build on uh, from what they did in that first 20 minutes on the weekend. At the start of the season, I was saying to myself, I can't wait till I get the chance to go to my favourite areas again. And one of my favourite areas is Luke Jacobson at six. I love that guy. I love the way he plays footy. He's looking all right. Was it eight? Yeah, sorry, at eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he, I know what you mean. He normally is at six. Uh, look, he, he looked good. He, he looked really good. And, and just simple, smart play. Um, good at the breakdown. You know, it looks like he's had a good preseason, uh, and and I think he'll he'll benefit from good minutes. Um, and he'll need he'll need big minutes um, because between him and, and Sam Kane, they'll, they'll need to be big leaders. And you know, there's a few injury issues around you know Lachlan Boshier and, and Peter Gus, so uh, th- those two boys will be lent on heavily uh, in terms of that leadership role and, and delivering. And both of them, I think, uh, were exceptional on on the weekend and. You know, it's just another one to add to the to the ever-growing list of, of loose forwards in, um, in that, this country. Just on that, Jeff, I love that you said that, mate. I, I love you said that because I think, you know, I talk about Jacob, so I thought he was fantastic, but I just want to give my mate Ethan Blackhatter a plug. <laughs> yes. You know, fair enough, you know, have got some great, great loose forward trios in, um, in, at the Blues, but I just want to take a special look at Ethan Blackhatter because I think um, his involvements in the last two weeks have been fantastic and for a guy that's had to go through a bit of resilience around having a few injuries the past 12 to 24 months, I think you know his his ability. He's a workhorse. I don't, I don't think he's missed a tackle in four years, um, just with how he is. But um, yeah, just his involvement around his ball carry as well. I think on the weekend he was fantastic with ball in hand, which probably hasn't been a strength of his in the past. But he's put on a bit more weight and really focused on that as well. And I think um, he's getting rewards on that. So hopefully he passes. Uh, Concussion test and it's all good to go okay. going for. But yeah, just wanted to jump on that one, Jeff, mate. Just oh, look, for the, I'll just I'll just apologise to the Jacobson family. 
um, for that. We were just about to pump Luca, but that's fine. Um, I will jump on the back of that because I text Ross during the game and I said, Ethan Blackadder's, and I did, yes. I said, Ethan Blackadder's game has gone to another level. And I actually put a question out. I said, do you think it's because young Cullen Grace made the All Blacks? He's, he seems to have bulked up and he's come with a point to prove this season because uh, I think it was he took that short four. I think McLeod passed that forward ball and he hit, um, he hit the line short and, and I think it was Karifi he hit. And, I mean, Karifi's a good defender and a solid man. And he hit it with some with some venom, and I, I was I just haven't I hadn't seen that ball carrying like you mentioned, hadn't seen that in a, in his game. Uh, I'd seen that the link play for Tasman. He's always a good link man. He had that big motor, so he was always there in that link play and had the ability to be on the end of a try or something. But his physical carry and, and his direct and his robust and a little bit of footwork. He, he had a, had a good little knack from the from the two games I've seen of getting in between and that leg drive. So it hasn't gone unnoticed, Ethan. I'm, I'm loving your work too. You, you can you can you can get on the list too. You can jump on the list. Yeah, it's a big well, list. While we're just while we're, while we're just talking about Ethan, I think one thing as well that um, he's really worked hard on Jim was is actually his um, his ball his ball his ball in hand and his ability to pass his passing game mm. in, in context. So I think if you look at that try um, last week against the Highlanders when we scored that try, um, his actually ability to, to get the ball going square to the line and getting the ball out the back right in front of where our pivot was. And I think you know, 12 to 24 months ago, he probably struggled in that sense, being able to have his um, having a good um, his, sorry ability to be able to play with the ball in hand. But now he's hitting that every single time. So yeah, he's a guy that won't go die wondering with his preparation and how hard he works. Because you're right, Jeff, he's got a hard, uh, a massive motor. But you know, his preparation and his and his ability to train and be able to get all those one percenters right. Um, you know, that's Ethan Blackadder to a T. So look, I look forward to seeing more of Ethan throughout the year and, you know, hopefully looking for that um, loose forward spot with your, with your boys, um, Jipper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know John Plumtree's a big fan of the pod, so he'll be listening. <laughs> <laughs> you searching for an assistant coach role again? Oh, well, he's definitely going to be a player agent. Yeah. There's no doubt about that after that. <laughs> I mean, I've done some pumping yeah, up of Blues players in my time, but I did not take up 15 minutes. Man, the hybrid. <laughs> Your suitmates. Oh. The fact that he was a loose board, Have the boys have the boys been into you saying you're not pumping us up enough? Yeah. Hey mate, I just saw what's happening. What's happening in front of my eyes, mate? I thought it was yeah, a very... no, fair enough. No, and I'm in full. I'm in full agreement. It's written down here. Should we give him a window? Is there anyone else from the Crusaders you want to hype right now? Just one at a time will do, Ross. I don't need to do three or four, mate. Just one at a time will do, right? It's a long season. Another thing from that Highlanders-Chiefs game, Joshuani Mitchell-Hunt. That little axis there looked good. As the game went on, it got better and better and better, didn't it? Yeah, well, once they started getting that front foot dominance and, and as we spoke about the Highlanders pack, we were winning those collisions and getting that fast ball from the breakdown. I, I thought Joshuani was looking great, especially when he was running to that line and he was just getting through and sort of enabling him to get, get his hands free for those offloads and, and making defenders think and then... Um, you know, I think Mitch Hunt has that ability to sort of inject himself in that first receiver row. Also, I think they did that same overthrow line-out move, Bryn, um, that they scored, uh, Connor Garden Bashup scored against you uh, guys. They threw it over the back and, and Nariki ended up getting tackled out by Damian McKenzie, but they, they used it again and Mitch Hunt injected himself in and, and obviously drew in pass and McKenzie, but... 
Um, yeah, I, I liked him at fullback, and I, I think the dual pivot worked really well for them later in the game. And, and I think uh, Josh really came into his own once he started playing that flat um, style of game that he's really good at. And I, I was really impressed with what I saw. You know, we spoke up um, Oatsy, and you know, it's been a Blues buy, and I haven't got a Blues player in there, so it's, here's my chance. Um, you know, Oatsy last week, and, and the way he, his game management and a different sort of style of play. Uh, but, you know, Josh has certainly, um, you know, I think put his head in the ring with that performance and, and the ability to stay calm and composed at 20 nil to sort of orchestrate a comeback. I think both of them need credit, Mitch and, and Josh, but at 20 nil, it's not easy to be looking down the barrel like that. And, and uh, Tony Brown spoke about his leaders um, having a big part to play. And I think, you know, Ash Dixon's a big part of that and Aaron Smith would have been a big part of that. But... You know, it always comes down to your, your 9, 10 and 15 normally and your hooker, obviously, um, to, <laughs> to, 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 get you, to get you to that, you know, that, that place of, of victory. And, um, you know, Jonah Nariki obviously had moments of brilliance, but you still got to get your team in the right area of the field. And, and those boys were, were pretty good, I thought, for, right. for the most part. That takes us to the tipping competition, the Sky Sport tipping competition. Go to the Sky Sport website, get in there. You can still get in there right now into the tipping comp. You get the average points from across the way, which will be more than what I've got, um, certainly more than what I've got. So with that 10-15 combination, can the Landers beat the Blues in Auckland? This is a stupid question for James Parsons. No. Yeah. The Blues will win. Yeah. 1-12. to 1-12. to 12. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Landers are good. Yeah. I, I do. I think I think they're a really good outfit, and they're not a one-man show. Like Nareki was good, and, and as I said pre-season, he had spiders on him. He's certainly one to watch. Um, but their, their forwards are old school, and they, they, they roll up your sleeves, and they they seem to be sticking with that maul. Uh, they're desperate for that maul try, so the Blues will be wanting to nail that maul defence and around that pick and go edges, and they know what's coming. Um, and it's always a, it's always a big battle, and I think the Highlanders will still be hurting for that last gas uh, victory that we got against them at Eden Park last year. Uh, so that it'll it'll be a close one. It always is uh, Landers Blues. Um, so, uh, but I, I think the Blues have got enough. Uh, a week off, uh, coming back fresh, a bit of confidence from getting that away win, and, and first one back at home. And I think you know with what Auckland's been through around the lockdown level three and getting our fans back out in front of us. Uh, hopefully going to level one, afternoon footy. We love playing afternoon footy. Eden Park, it's all there, ready to go. The boys just got to fire. Jeez, you're fizzing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you see, Brennan? <laughs> just sense the enthusiasm in your voice, Jeff, that the Blues are back this week. Oh, um, man. back in town. No, I, think, um, yeah, I think the Blues, I reckon the Blues, to be honest, I think 1-12 to 12 is a pretty good, um, pretty good odds, I think. For me, I think the massive thing for them is if you know they've got a, a great forward pack. We've talked about it a lot in this in this podcast probably the last um, twelve months. And you, know, you look around their set piece, around their scrum, inserting dominance there, and then again their line out um, as well, which has been operating well in the first week. So I think if you know their forwards, you know, could probably see Tom Coventry, you know, staking, um, putting a stake in the ground around this performance around for their forwards. And you know, look if they can if they can bar up and win that set piece battle, I think it puts them in a in a pretty good spot. So to win that game. So, um, you know, again, no doubt that the Highlanders will be hungry. You know, it was a great win for them on the weekend to 
to get that win in, in Hamilton, which is which is always tough. And then again, you know, they've had got their one extra game, which sometimes is always good to have, make sure that you're a bit more hardened when coming into those contests, especially in Super Rugby Aotearoa. But no, I think the Blues at home um, will just be a little bit too much for the Honors on the weekend. Yeah, it's hard to go against them, isn't it? Really, they're looking pretty good. They're heading back home. They, had, they were travelling away, and then they came back home. They had all sorts of things happen to them, but I'd say it makes them pretty resilient. Yeah. So. Oh, and a bit of time together outside of the city. Um, you know, and, and like I said, plenty to play for. Mm. Do it for the city. Yeah, yeah. And a, and a week in Hamilton. You know, anyone's going to be stoked once they get out of that. Oh, well, nothing against Hamilton. Might have to go there, you know? My dad lives in Hamilton. He'll clip me around the ears if I bag it too much. Oh, what did Chris Latham, the Wallabies fullback, say about a week in Hamilton? Oh. It wasn't pretty, whatever it was. Yeah. I'm not going to go there. I'm not joining in on this. Like I said, my dad lives down there. I am going to have to show my face down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a Chiefs fan, I should not be saying that. But let's talk about the Chiefs, starting with you, Bryn. Is there a single part of you that will feel bad when the Crusaders chalk up the Chiefs' 11th straight loss? Oh, it'll be a, it's going to be entertaining, mate. I think, again, I think the points that I brought up again around every time we play the Chiefs, it doesn't matter where we are on the table, it's always a tough encounter. And they've actually probably had the wall over us um, the last couple of years. They've had a couple of wins against us. Um, so, again, you know, obviously I'm going to pick my team, you know, <laughs> You know, how can I not? It's my, it's over the Crusaders. So, uh, but again, it's going to be a tight encounter, and you know, we're always looking forward to it. Anytime we get to play them, it's a, it's a tough one. So, looking forward to seeing what happens on the weekend with, with that. Just wondering what PR agency you use. Um, they, 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 they're underpaid because they're doing a great job with you this week, uh, Bryn. One message um, <laughs> uh, Crusaders. Crusaders, yeah. Uh, as I said before, there's a lot to like about the Chiefs, but it's, it's a tough place to go and win. Um, so, yeah, I think, oh, I hate to say this, 13 plus probably. 13 plus, yeah. yeah it pains me to say <laughs> that I think the Crusaders could win this by 20. Um, I don't like to go more than 13 plus, but there's just something about this matchup that scares the crap out of me. <laughs> I mm. don't think it can go well for the Chiefs down there well, at all. Uh, just bef- well, I know we normally finish on this, but I just got one thing here that I just nearly forgot. And I just need to see, was that a mall try yesterday to Ricky Riccatelli? Is that, is that the four-year non-mall try broken? Is that the streak breakers, the Hurricanes breaking yet another Crusader streak? Yes. I think, you know, I think it is. <laughs> I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that could be the streak breakers... Breaking yet another streak. I don't think. I don't think so, Jim. Mate, you know, you know, Jim. You know, you're you're a mall, mate. You're in the mall most of your career, so oh. I think it's when they break off, it's you know, the mall's over. Oh, okay, okay. Right. Oh. So, so it's got to be with in the mall. I've got to go all the way. That's nice. That's kind. That's kind. I was just, just checking those. I spoke so highly of those standards before, but no, that's fine. <laughs> that's a technicality. That's, that's a good technicality. <laughs> the money technicality. stays in the vault. Huh? Yeah. Ready for the end of the season for the non-mall part. Yeah, the money stays in the vault. We'll finish on a high for you, though, Bruno. Great try-saving tackle on Artie Savia yesterday. It was a beauty. Oh, he almost got me again, mate. No, it was good. <laughs> I, was, I was wrapped I for you. Of all the tackles I made to make on, on the weekend, I think 
80 80 percent of my tackles were on Artie Severe, which is great. The best, the, the the best thing that I loved about it is both. Um, Ethan and Jack didn't think you were going to make it, and they just absolutely collided. And that's when um, that's when Ethan got knocked out because they didn't they didn't know if you could do the job, so they were panicking and, and ended up clashing heads. Yeah, sorry, but you Ethan, had it, mate. mate. Why... You had it. It's probably the... they should have backed you. Yeah. It's only fair that we play that vision because we play the other Arties up yeah. pretty much every other episode. So play that vision. Yeah, there yeah. was another one as well. I think he picked through the middle and you got him again. Like I said, mate, I had to tackle him that many times, so I was just on high alert. My pupils were that wide and from ah. um, trying to tackle him. So, nah, cheers, Artie. Thanks, mate. <laughs> well, this week it's going to be Luke Jacobson cutting out you. Great. Just another one. Keep, keep bringing them. <laughs> How do you like that? It just keep on coming loose forwards because there are so many of them. There is. And then the Blues are next. And the Blues are next. And your 100th game in two weeks' time against the Blues in Auckland. It's going to be a big weekend for you. Fingers crossed, mate. Yeah, it'll be awesome if I can notch that up, especially being back at home. So, now we'll have to wait and see, hopefully. I suppose the question for that week, all I'm going to ask it now, is are the Blues the only team that can beat the Crusaders this season? We will see. I'll answer that next week. Yeah, yeah. Then the answer will be yes. <laughs> um, and on that note, a big thank you to Bryn Hall down in Christchurch, uh, bringing us a lot of PR spin from the oh, Crusaders. It's been beautiful this <laughs> week. James Parsons for doing exactly the same for the Blues. <coughs> and we will catch you guys next week with more Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Make sure that you catch this weekend's action, the Blues v. the Landers and the Chiefs v. the Crusaders on Rugby Passes streaming service and on Sky Sport. <laughs>